You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. Plenty to get to ahead on today's Locked On Cougars. New targets in the transfer portal for the BYU men's basketball team emerge. We'll talk about some of those guys. One of them, somewhat local, a guy just up the road at the University of Utah potentially. We'll talk about Alfonso Plummer as well as other potential targets for BYU basketball. We'll also kick off our long-running series this summer. 100 seasons of BYU football, 1896 to 2020. Yes, we're going to count it all down and hope you guys have some fun with us over the summer with this long-running series. I'm going to kick it off today with the year 1896. And, of course, we will catch you up on everything else you need to know as a BYU sports fan, including a very cool connection to the 2021 Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama that BYU has. So plenty to get to ahead on today's show. It's all brought to you today by our title sponsor, Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. All right, so there's the rundown of where we're going here on a Monday. So let's dive on in. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 12th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. And I mean it. We're here with you guys daily, Monday through Friday. So if you're new to the show, welcome on in. We aim to be the one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news that you need to know as a Cougar fan every single day, as well as passing along insider tidbits that you will not find anywhere else. So make sure if you haven't done so already, hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening in from the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just to name a few of the different podcast providers out there. Make sure to join us every single day, and we will endeavor to have you guys up to speed on the Cougars in a nice, tidy format. We don't go over 30 minutes, rarely, if at all. We want to make sure you guys are up to speed, but also not take up half of your day, seemingly, to get you caught up on all that news. So plenty to get to here on a Monday, and let's get going here, starting off with the BYU men's basketball program and, of course, the transfer portal. Many of you are probably intrigued by this, wondering, okay, what is BYU doing? Who are they targeting? Who are they going after? I can tell you this much. In talking with people around the BYU men's basketball program, they are shotgunning all kinds of options. You're seeing multiple names out there. If you see these reports coming out on Twitter of different guys that BYU reportedly is in the mix for, one of them is an intriguing prospect, and it's a guy up at the University of Utah, Alfonso Plummer. He tweeted out over the weekend that he is intrigued by both the WCC and the Big 12. He has officially decided he's going to enter his name into the NCAA transfer portal in addition to exploring his NBA draft options. Now, many of you maybe aren't so familiar with Plummer, but... I've got some insight on him because what I can tell you about Alfonso Plummer is, is he is a true gunner in every sense of the word. He loves to shoot the three ball, and when he is hitting on the threes, man, is he about the most electric player in all of college basketball. The biggest issue for him is that consistency, the C word, consistency, is that has been a buzzword for him. We have a nickname on a certain other podcast that I host that happens to be called Locked on Utes, that when uh, Alfonso Plummer is going off, his nickname is Al Fuego. Yeah, you get it? The play on words, Alfonso, Al Fuego, Fuego, Fire. Yeah, okay, you got it. Anyways, 
he would be actually a really good addition to the BYU men's basketball program because I think he would do well in BYU's offense. A little looser, a little freer, and would allow him, I think, to jack up threes. The problem is, is BYU okay with him having one of those nights where he's not hitting on it and he continues to jack them up? Who's to say? I think he will explore all options, whether it's the pro game, potential other college programs. He only has one year of eligibility remaining. It's because of the frozen waiver, the frozen year, essentially, for all college basketball players. But if they could get a guy like Alfonso Plummer, that would be a really, really fun addition, I think, just because of his ability to break a game open from beyond the three-point arc. We all saw last year that BYU struggled with consistent three-point shooting, and that's something that was not a problem in Mark Pope's first year, obviously, with guys like TJ Haas and Jake Toulson, where they were bombing away from three. I think they are making a concerted effort to get improved three-point shooting. Mikey Saunders, obviously a guy that BYU fans are hoping that we have good news on later this week. He's expected to announce his decision on April 15th. I'm expecting him to pick BYU unless something changes at the last second. Everything I've heard points to him joining the Cougars, but we'll have to wait and see what his official announcement is later this week. And one other name popped up yesterday in the transfer portal that I'm not sure I necessarily have much to say on other than that he does have a connection considering he was pursued heavily by BYU last year and he had BYU as one of his quote-unquote finalists. That is Mac McClung from Texas Tech, formerly of Georgetown when he transferred from Georgetown Georgetown last year. He went very far down the road with BYU before ultimately deciding to land with the Raid Raiders. He announced that he is entering his name into the NCAA portal as well as entering his name into the NBA draft, but not hiring an agent at this point to retain his eligibility. So, could the second time be the charm for BYU to bring a guy like Mac McClung in? Because I can tell you one thing about Mac McClung. He is a kid who absolutely can bomb away from three and probably is more of a consistent player than Alfonso Plummer. The good news is, is there are options all over the table, it appears, for BYU when it comes to the transfer portal. And I've got the faith that Mark Pope and his staff will do a good job evaluating all this talent, making the right decision they think is going to benefit them as a program, and then lock that player up if at all possible. I would love to see a kid like Mac McClung come and play for BYU. Considering he had interest previously, why not reach out and try and see if he's interested in doing it for another year? Obviously, he will explore his options in the NBA draft. Had a very good year at Texas Tech, by all accounts. Led them to a win over Utah State in the NCAA tournament. And is just a good player overall. But maybe if he decides, hey, I want some more seasoning, who's to say that he couldn't make that second trip to Provo and say, you know what? I want to be a Cougar after all and wear the blue and white of BYU Cougar garb and don it for Mark Pope's squad. It'd be kind of fun, but the good news is it sounds like the BYU continues to pursue all options available to them. Funny enough, their names that continue to pop up in the transfer portal seemingly every day, and the one thing that Mark Pope and his staff have said in the past about BYU is they comb the portal every day. They look at who are the new additions to the portal, they look up their film, see if they're interested in them, and they try to make contact almost immediately if they are interested. They understand that time is of the essence if they want to land some of these guys because they're obviously getting all kinds of attention from multiple other programs. But I've I've become very impressed with how BYU is going about this. They're making sure that they do their due diligence, make sure that there are guys out there in the portal they're interested in. They're making sure they do their homework on them and then approach them. 
I'm expecting that Mark Pope will put together another solid team this coming year, and I'm expecting them to challenge for another NCAA tournament berth. Challenging for the West Coast Conference crown right now just feels like it's a foolhardy thing to say. They have a chance to win it, considering what Gonzaga is doing up above them, seemingly as the number one team for most of the season before losing in the national championship. They're landing recruits that BYU can only dream of recruiting right now and landing. So, Challenge for the NCAA tournament. Essentially, you're playing for second fiddle in this conference. I know that's disappointing as a BYU fan, but the time is now that you have to just kind of go about your business and hope at some point that maybe things tail off for Gonzaga, and that's when you can strike. But for the time being, Gonzaga's riding high, folks, and it's tough to consider BYU as anything other than the bridesmaid to Gonzaga's bride in the West Coast Conference right now. But the good news is it appears that BYU has found multiple options in the portal and I'm expecting them to have some good news later this week with regards to Mikey Saunders Jr. And then hopefully other guys coming down the pipe. They have at least one scholarship open I know of. A second one could be opened up relatively quickly but we'll have to kind of wait and see how things pan out for the BYU men's basketball program. All right. We will switch gears, kick off a new thing that we're doing with the BYU football program to count down the dog days of summer until football is back in our lives this coming September. We'll explain what this long-running series will be next and also kick it off with the 1896 Brigham Young Academy team that will be our, what we call guinea pig, our first team up. We'll run it all down here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, folks. Football might be over, obviously, with college hoops in the rearview mirror, but we've got NBA action, Major League Baseball. If you're a hockey fan, the NHL as well. They're all available to you guys. You can bet on them with our good friends at Bet Online. If you like prop bets and what we call pop culture, they cover award shows, TV shows, and even reality TV. They've got all the real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets. And by the way, it's free to sign up. You heard that right. F-R-E-E. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit with our friends at Bet Online. It's all courtesy of BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Folks, I want to remind you guys, get all of the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, folks, let's talk a little bit about BYU football and a little bit more of a historical context. Some of you have been long-running listeners of this podcast over the past. We're in our third year now. The past two summers, we have done 100-day countdowns to BYU football, getting us ready for September. Obviously, 2020 last year was a crazy, crazy year, but nonetheless, it's been a fun thing to do to kind of get us through the dog days of summer. This year, we're going to start a little bit early uh, because this is a little more of a project that's going to take a little more time. It's the most audacious and ambitious project I've ever undertaken on this podcast, I feel like. And what we're going to do, folks, is we're going to count down the 100 seasons 
of BYU football. And you're probably thinking, well, they started football in eight in 1922. Well, they did. Technically, if you believe BYU's media guide, they say 1922 is BYU's first season as a collegiate football program. And sure, as Brigham Young University, that was their first season. But they also have four seasons in the late 1890s that they participated in intercollegiate athletics as Brigham Young Academy. And I'm going to include those. The reason why I'm doing this this year is because the 2020 season, and if my math is off, you know what? So be it. I will be wrong. I've done it multiple times and I've counted up. There have been 100 seasons of BYA or BYU football played through the last of 2020. So we're going to count those down, folks. We're going to have some fun with it. This will carry us through the summer. It'll be something that will be almost every day. Uh, The goal is Monday through Friday, we'll have a different year for you guys. And it's going to require a lot more work on my part to get prepared with stats, names, all the different things out there. But I hope you guys enjoy it. If you guys have feedback on it, you have insights on a certain season, I would welcome any and all help with this project. It is going to be a very labor-intensive and time-intensive one, but I am looking forward to it. I think it's worth the time. I think it's worth the investment. And I think it's a reward for you guys who have been listening every day. So you can be caught up and know a little bit more about the BYU football history that maybe you didn't know. Some of you probably are very familiar with the Lavelle Edwards years, but what about like the, what, 40 or 50 years before that? Well, That's our endeavor here on this podcast, as we have said in the open for many, many months now, that we aim to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room and have you up to speed on everything you need to know as a BYU fan. This includes the historical context of BYU football. So we're going to have some fun with this. Hope you guys will be along for the ride. And feel free, like I said, to weigh in with your thoughts. You can email us anytime, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. If you've got spreadsheets, stats, uh, backgrounds on different seasons, send them in. You can send them out on social media as well. Search out Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My personal Twitter feed, if you'd like to send them there as well, it's my full name, Jacob C. Hatch. Love hearing from you guys and love your guys' interaction. So let's kick it off with 1896. Those of you who took Utah history and can stay awake during that class will remember that January 4th, 1896 was the date that Utah was admitted as the 45th state in the Union as a member of the United States of America or a state in the United States of America, not a member. That's kind of weird to say, but nonetheless, one of the momentous occasions, I know that Utah had been hoping to become a state for many, many years before that, but January 4th, the good news came that Utah was admitted to being in the Union officially as a state. Other unique things that happened in this year, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, the United Supreme United States Supreme Court introduces the separate but equal doctrine and upholds racial segregation. Obviously, that's a topic that many of you will remember from U.S. history. Also, the Ford Quadricycle was developed on June 4th. It's the first Ford vehicle ever. It's completed, eventually leading Henry Ford to build the empire that, quote, put America on wheels. The Model T came, what, 1910? But his first vehicle ever, the Ford Quadricycle, developed on June 4th. Also, William Jennings Bryan faced off against William McKinley in the United States presidential election of 1896. McKinley beat Jennings Bryan. It actually led to McKinley, I believe, died shortly after being inaugurated in 1897. And then one other note for you guys, that John Philip Sousa composed his magnum opus, The Stars and Stripes Forever, on December 25th. 1896. Kind of give you a historical context of what we're talking about here. Well, in 1896, BYU played its first season of intercollegiate football, but it was then known as Brigham Young Academy. 
1896 was the first season that BYU competed in football. One of the innovations that President Clough, the university president or the academy president at the time, brought back from his studies at Michigan University was athletic competition, which included both interclass, which is known as intramurals in this day and age, and interschool games or intercollegiate athletics, complete with yells and cheers up unheard of up to that time in Provo. And this was added, which shocked many church leaders. This has come from BYU's wiki on the 1896 season. In the season, BYU played six games. Hmm, that kind of sounds familiar about 2020 with many of these schools, many of these conferences out there, the Pac-12 among them, competing in few games. Well, BYU's season was a six-game season, and they started it off with a big-time win over the University of Utah. Many of you will remember that BYU and the University of Utah have different numbers on what the all-time record between the two universities is. The University of Utah does count the games that BYU played as Brigham Young Academy in the late 1890s into their all-time record. BYU chooses to start in 1922 when they were officially Brigham Young University and began intercollegiate athletics. But for the purposes of this project, we're going with 1896 and for a good reason. In the first ever matchup between the University of Utah and what was then Brigham Young Academy, later to become Brigham Young University, BYA came out on top with a 12-0 shutout. Why wouldn't you celebrate this if you're Brigham Young University? I don't know, but that's how they choose to is they start in 1922. But nonetheless, in that season, BYA played six games overall. And the teams they played, you're going to chuckle about the names here. They beat the University of Utah, like I said, 12 to nothing. They also played the Elks, the Crescents, the YMCA of Salt Lake City, the Will Club of Denver, and Westminster College. So... Not exactly murderer's row, but nonetheless, a good first season because, as they note here in the BYU Digital Archives, BYA actually won the championship. Whether that's a conference championship, whether it's a state championship, it does not specify. So, okay, BYA came out, folks, beat Utah. They ran through a six-game schedule and won a championship. Why are we not hoisting a national championship banner? Okay, I'll, I'll step off that. That's just kind of a cool thing. BYA started with a bang here, a really, really cool first season. And one other note before we go here on this first season of Brigham Young Academy football is I want to run on the names of the initial BYA football team and let you know who they were. So we'll start off. Eugene MacArthur, he was the president of the Athletic Association, which helped build this team, I would imagine. Heber Larson, A.D. Miller, Dave Hyde, Alma Carbine, Walter Hasler, who was the manager. And if you go to the picture on the BYU Digital Collections, Walter Hasler is dressed to the absolute nines and looks great in his top hat and overcoat. Also, middle row of the picture here, Nephi Audison, Jesse Lafarve, 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 I don't know how to pronounce that correctly, Orville Larson, Hans Polson, hmm, or Hans Polson. I'm going to go with Hans Polson, considering I work with a Hans Olson, and may want to uh, compare those two names. John Peterson, Andrew Peterson, and then finally, Albert Fillerup, Sam Hinckley, Ben C. Call, and Frank Cox. So to all those gentlemen, a tip of the cap to you guys. You are gone, but you are not forgotten. Really, really cool story. The BYA comes out, begins intercollegiate athletics, and then goes out and beats Utah, shuts them out 12-0, and wins a championship in their first season. 
I thought it was a fun way to start this. Obviously, BYU went through some tough years when they restarted the program. We'll get to that. I believe 1922 is scheduled for this Friday. It'll be the first official season as Brigham Young University. But we have to climb through the 1890s here. We have 1897 tomorrow, 1898 on Wednesday, and 1899, the final season before BYU uh, went away from football for more than two decades, will be on Thursday. That's when it's scheduled for. And we'll talk about all of this. We're going to have some fun with it. Like I said, this is going to be a long-running series, so I hope you guys will be along for the ride. But, hey, BYU won a championship in the first season. Brigham Young Academy, champions of insert whatever conference they were playing at the time. I don't have that information. I looked for it high and low, but could not find it. But nonetheless, BYA are champions. That's all you need to take away from today's podcast. All right, we'll come back up to modern day, catch up on everything that happened over the weekend in BYU sports, including a very cool connection to the 2021 Masters champion, Hideki Matsuyama. We'll talk about all of that here in just moments. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Built Bar. Absolutely love this company, guys, because they are the best tasting protein bars you have ever had, and I mean that sincerely. You will not believe how healthy they are for you when you give them a shot. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They mean it when they say it. They taste like a candy bar. It's perfect for the health conscious guy or gal. Loser maintain weight. Well, loser maintain your weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Some of my favorites amongst their 20 plus flavors include cherry barcia, mint brownie, double chocolate, orange. One that I've actually become to really like in the last couple of weeks is toffee almond. It's a fantastic flavor. I was not sure I was going to enjoy it when I first tried it, but I've really really enjoyed all of them. What I love about Built Bars, folks, they are high protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calories. They are a perfect complement for wherever you're at in your health journey. So give them a shot. Go to BuiltBar.com. And of course, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. You heard that right. LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Once again, use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off BuiltBar.com and enjoy the best tasting protein protein bars anywhere. All right, friends, from April 19th through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. It will feature analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. Our local experts, including yours truly, from every team will be making trades and picking the next stars of their team. I'm going to give you a hint. I think the New York Jets are taking Zach Wilson at number two. But nonetheless, follow the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you guys get your podcasts. All right, let's get you guys caught up on everything else you need to know from the weekend that was in BYU sports. Let's start off with this. The BYU men's volleyball programming, number two in the country. They clinched the number one seed in the MPSF tournament with a sweep at UCLA on Friday. They ultimately fell three sets to one in their regular season finale on Saturday night. But nonetheless, BYU had it locked up and they will be hosting the MPSF tournament this weekend from April 22nd through the 24th in the Smith Fieldhouse. Really, really cool to see BYU be the number one seed in this. All tournament games will be live streamed through Flow Volleyball, which is a pay-to-watch site, which kind of sucks, but nonetheless, it will be fun. I know that Jerem Jordan has already said that he will be calling the matches on Flow Volleyball, but looking forward to that. April 22nd through the 24th, BYU will host the MPSF Volleyball Championships right here in Provo. Other news for you guys is Cameron Tucker's game winner secured the victory 2-1 for number 16 ranked BYU women's soccer over number 25 Pepperdine 
on the road. Congratulations to the Cougars. as their first victory in Malibu since 2012. It's been a long time since BYU has won down there on the cliffs of Malibu. But nonetheless, BYU will return home for senior night in their last game of the season this coming Saturday when they take on Portland. That game is scheduled to kick off at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. It'll be broadcast on BYU TV. It will obviously be senior night. Looking forward to that. On to women's softball. Riley Jensen and Autumn Moffat Korth hit career milestones in BYU's two-win day over St. Mary's, sweeping it 8-5 and 1-0, remaining undefeated in West Coast Conference play. Riley Jensen McFarland scored her 200th career run in the first game against St. Mary's. The senior is now number two all-time at BYU in career runs scored and number three nationally among active Division I softball players. And then Moffitt Korth surpassed 300 career strikeouts in the second game, finishing the game with a career of total of 306. So congratulations to Riley Jensen as well as Autumn Moffitt Korth. Really cool to see them achieve both of those milestones in their career. And then Michael Bluth, yes, there will be multiple references to Arrested Development about this young man's name. But Michael Bluth hit the number one all-time record in the 400 meters for BYU over the weekend, clocking in at just an astounding 45.68 seconds. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, it is the previous, it bested the previous record of 45.75 set 22 years ago in 1999 at Clayton Patch. Coming into the weekend, Bluth, who was an All-American, was number seven on the BYU Top 10 board after clocking a 46.01. But really, really cool to see him break that school record. So congratulations to Michael Bluth. And remember, there's always money in the banana stand. All right, folks, one final note for you guys here on a Monday, and it connects to the Masters yesterday. And first off, congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama on winning the Masters title. He is the first Japanese man and the first man from Asia to wear the green jacket, and just a really, really cool story to see him win it. Uh, Ten years after, he was the low amateur at the event, and along the ride for those ten years on the PGA Tour, I believe he turned pro in 2013, is a guy named Bob Turner. You're probably wondering, okay, Jake, who is Bob Turner and what are you talking about here? Well, Bob Turner, he was a Brigham Young University student, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, left on a two-year mission to Japan. He met the woman who would become his wife, returned to the United States, and then after his wife, Hiroko, got homesick, he went back to Japan to finish his studies and play golf at Tokyo's Waseda University, which was one of the top 10 best golf teams in the country. At the time, he was the only American playing collegiate golf in Japan, and one day tournament director asked him, what the heck are you doing over here? That's in the story from the New York Post, a really cool story here. The man ended up offering Turner a job in the golf industry, and soon enough, he was helping guys like Seve Ballesteros, Sam Snead, and even Johnny Miller when they came to Japan to participate in events. He also came back to the States where his son, Alan, has worked as an interpreter for Seattle Mariner stars at Kazuhiro Sasaki, as well as Ichiro Suzuki. Really, really cool story all the way around, and Turner uh, had a connection through Sasaki to Tohoku Fukushi, which would compete in tournaments uh, in Seattle. It is the university that Matsuyama attended there in Japan. They would compete over here in the States. And they asked Bob to help him out from his Masters in 2011 as the low amateur. And then 10 years later, he is now uh, serving as the official, I guess what we call interpreter for Hideki Matsuyama, but also
also does a lot of other things, scheduling his availabilities for different stuff. He's essentially become a confidant and just kind of his right-hand man. Just really, really cool story. So Bob Turner, hats off to you. Really cool to see this happen. Bob is now 68 years old. I believe he actually lives here in Utah, funny enough, in Utah County, if I'm not mistaken. I, I couldn't guarantee that. I looked it up, but I couldn't find any information on that. But really, really cool all the same. Cool to see Bob Turner sitting there in Butler Cabin and just having a presence all week long there at the Masters. All right, that's going to do it for this Monday edition of the show. A big thank you once again for your guys' continued support as always. Feel free to reach out anytime on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search us out, Locked On Cougars, or reach out via email, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Complaints, comments, uh, suggestions, what you want me to talk about, whatever you got for me, reach out and let me know. And I hope you guys have a great Monday whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 12th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.